Welcome to See It or Shove It. Each week we'll feature a recap and review of the latest theatrical and streaming releases, and I'll advise whether you should go see them in the theaters, or at home, or shove it all together and pretend it doesn't exist. I'm your host, Greg, and thanks to theater subscription programs, I go and see every movie I can and bring my opinions back to you. Each year, I try to see more movies than I did the previous year. This year, my targets are to see at least 264 movies and at least 149 of those in the theater. As of this recording, I am up to 85 films overall and 53 in the theater. I'm creeping up on that 100 movie mark. I'm hoping to reach it by the end of May. Will I reach my goal? Keep listening for updates and let's get started on this week's episode. At the movies this week, Liam Neeson stars in the action thriller Memory, Oscar winners Jim Broadbent and Dame Helen Mirren star in the true story The Duke, and Benedict Cumberbatch and Elizabeth Olsen battle it out in the Marvel blockbuster Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. First up is Liam Neeson. He stars in the seemingly 500,000th action thriller Memory. In this, he plays Alex Lewis, a trained assassin who has intentions of retiring, but is strong-armed into one last assignment which he refuses to complete because the target is a teenage girl. Alex then tries to get the assignment cancelled, but circumstances create a messy situation for him, and he becomes the latest target of both the FBI agent Vincent, played by Guy Pierce, as well as the hitmen who hired him. He sets out to lead the investigators to the child traffickers before it's too late, but his declining memory, due to an onset of Alzheimer's, presents a roadblock to his efforts. Okay, I'm just gonna say it. This movie is terrible. And Liam Neeson really needs to get a new agent. The action movies he has been starring in in recent years are becoming increasingly ludicrous, and in the last two years, he has starred in Honest Thief, The Marksman, The Ice Road, Blacklight, and now Memory. Trust me, if you've seen one, you've seen them all. At least most of those were somewhat entertaining, even if they weren't very good. Memory, however, is a convoluted mess of a movie, with a script that goes all over the place and has no consistency in weaving together all the storylines. It really is a shame, because Neeson is an incredible actor, as shown in films like Schindler's List and Love Actually, and even the first Taken film. He really should start transitioning away from these action films and more into dramas and comedies, it's really starting to get tiring watching the same film with different plots over and over and over again. Uh, so with that said, Memory is a film I'd rather forget, and is definitely a shove-it. Opening this past weekend is the film The Duke, starring Jim Broadbent, Oscar winner for the film Iris, and the always lovely Oscar winner Dame Helen Mirren. The film tells the true story of Kempton Bunton, a rebel rouser in 1960s England. Bunton is a working-class man who is furious about the law where every household with a television must pay a license tax to watch. He constantly tries to avert the authorities who show up at his door to collect the tax and spends his days out on the street looking for signatures on a petition to eliminate the fee. His wife, Dorothy, works as a housekeeper for a local councilman and his wife. She is constantly embarrassed by her husband's shenanigans and is worried that his arrest for protesting will lead to her termination. 
Meanwhile, in London, Goya's portrait of the Duke of Wellington goes on display at the National Gallery and is a nationwide sensation until one night an unseen person steals the portrait from the museum. It ends up at Bunton's house where he and his son Jackie build a false back to a wardrobe to hide it while they send ransom notes to the government saying he will return it on condition that the elderly be exempt from paying a TV license. One thing leads to another, and Bunton is implicated in the theft of the painting, and he goes on trial. Now, during the trial, he portrays himself as an affable champion to the most vulnerable, and he wins the support of the public in his effort. However, the legal system will have to take its course. Will he get off? Will he not? You'll have to watch it and find out. This was an enjoyable film, and Broadbent and Marin were excellent as always. I enjoy the light tone of the script and the music score throughout the film. If you're in the mood for a historical comedy, this may be for you. The Duke is a see-it. My final film for this week is the sequel Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, starring Benedict Cumberbatch and Elizabeth Olsen. The latest entry in the Marvel canon opens with new character America Chavez and a version of Dr. Stephen Strange being chased by a demon while in between universes. They are searching for the Book of Ashanti in order to defeat the demon. The scene ends tragically, and we are transported back to Earth's universe, where Strange awakens thinking he had a nightmare. It turns out it wasn't a nightmare, and he meets Chavez in reality where she is then chased again by an octopus demon. Strange and Sorcerer Supreme Wong, played by Benedict Wong, defeat the demon and find out the demons are chasing Chavez because she has the power to travel through the multiverse and they want to take it from her. Strange needs to find an Avenger to assist with defeating the demons and he reaches out to Wanda Maximoff, played by Elizabeth Olsen. After discussing the situation with her, it is revealed that she is, in fact, responsible for all of this chaos. As the Scarlet Witch, she possesses the Darkhold and wants to use the power to reunite with her children, the ones that she created in the Disney Plus series WandaVision. The rest of the film is a battle royale between Doctor Strange and the Scarlet Witch as Strange tries to protect both Chavez and the Book of Ashanti. This film was an enjoyable movie to see on the big screen. The special effects were great, and the acting was good as well. Especially Olsen, who plays a vengeful villain to perfection. I really enjoyed that this movie kept its running time below two hours, which, as my loyal listeners know, that excessively long films are a pet peeve of mine. Keeping it under two hours kept the storyline tight and moving along. Is it the best entry in the Marvel Universe? No. Do you have to see other films and shows in order to understand it? Possibly. I think watching the first movie as well as the show WandaVision and the latest Spider-Man No Way Home would help with understanding what's going on. I'm really loving that this movie is kicking off what will hopefully be a successful return to blockbuster summers at the theaters. If you like Marvel movies, you'll want to see it. Do temper your expectations, because like I said, it's not the best one in the Marvel Universe, but it's still pretty good. So that's it for this week's films. To recap, Memory gets a Shove It rating, The Duke gets a See It rating, 
and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness gets a see it rating. Additionally, it's time for my lightning round reviews of the additional movies I saw that may or may not be worth your time in my segment called Quick Picks. Jeopardy host Mayim Bialik's directorial debut as They Made Us, starring Candace Bergen and Dustin Hoffman, is a see-it. And the French fantasy film Petite Maman, while overall it's a nice film, the first half was too slow and is therefore a shove-it. Last week I reviewed television series, and based on feedback I will now have a segment titled Binge It or Singe It, where I will give a quick review of two series that may pique your interest. First up is the Apple TV Plus series, We Crashed, starring Oscar winners Jared Leto and Anne Hathaway. The series tells the story of the rise and fall of the entrepreneurial business, WeWork. WeWork, Inc. is a provider of co-working spaces in which workers from different companies work within the same office space. Leto stars as Adam Newman, the eccentric co-founder of the company, and Hathaway is his equally eccentric wife, Rebecca. Showcasing their bizarre marriage and the effect it has on the company, the series goes from their upstart days to the time when Newman was asked to step down from the company. The acting is the star of the show, with both Leto and Hathaway giving it their all. However, like I previously stated about Liam Neeson, I am also growing tired of Jared Leto's bizarre performances. They are almost becoming caricatures to the point where he seems to be on a level 25, while the rest of the cast is at a level 9 or 10. It was hard for me to get too invested in this story because, at the moment, it's hard to care about rich billionaires and feel sorry for them while they fail. Sympathetic characters are too few and far between here, and the storyline jumps back and forth in a confusing way, and the show itself isn't good enough to hold my interest. This one is a singe. Unlike the recent Showtime series Super Pumped, starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Travis Kalanick, former CEO of the rideshare company Uber. This is another series that tells the rise and fall of a greedy rich person. However, this one engaged me more because I found the story of how Uber destroyed lives both within and outside of the company, especially its impact on the taxi industry, to be incredibly frustrating. The show also stars Kyle Chandler and Uma Thurman, and it is a roller coaster of a ride. The tension as Travis's greed builds and leads to a boardroom, who is great. And Gordon Levitt, who I think is a severely underrated actor, is fantastic in this role. He creates such a douchebag that you want to keep watching just to see him fail. This series is a binge it, and it will be returning for a second season where it will focus on the impact of Facebook. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. I'm very grateful. Support your local theaters by going to see some of the movies I reviewed this week, and come back next time to hear my takes on the latest film releases, including the remake of the Stephen King classic Firestarter and the comedy Family Camp. Follow and rate me wherever you get your podcasts, and I'll catch you next time. See It or Shove It is recorded in Orlando, Florida, and is produced by Gregory G. Productions. Music by Mysterio Music, all rights reserved.